atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kirk Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for September the 16th in the year of our Lord, 2019. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. I had a delightful weekend. Pray you and your family did as well. A quick recap of Saturday's show. I was live this last Saturday. And uh, we talked rest in peace, brother. Eddie Money has passed away. He died on Friday at 70 years old. The legendary singer slash saxophonist passed away after suffering from numerous health problems. And the reason I focus so much about Eddie Money passing away, um, you know, he was a rock star, right? And uh, he, you know, lived, I'm sure, much of the lifestyle of the rock stars and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's not something really to be commemorated. I personally liked his music. But the reason that I bring up Eddie Money is he said two things as he got sick and passed away that I think is really worth focusing on. Number one, he got sick with cancer. And it was devastating. And uh, one of the things that he said was, hey, you know what? Um, a lot of famous people don't really tell you what's going on. I want to flat out tell you that I have cancer. And uh, I want to be honest with my fans and with society about that. And, you know, it's interesting. A guy that says, I want to be honest with you is pretty impressive. Especially when it comes to that kind of personal news, etc. Usually we hear about what maybe happened to them later after they passed away or whatever else. But he came clean, uh, came, you know transparent with all that and said, I want to be honest. That was interesting. The other thing interesting about him is when he said, I want to be honest and I got cancer and all this kind of stuff. Then the next thing he said, again, I don't think the mainstream press wants to focus on this one. He said, you know what? Back in the fifties and sixties and seventies, people would die from this stuff, but you know what? We've come a long way since then. And that demonstrates kind of a message of hope a little bit. And then he said this, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I just know it's in God's hands. And uh, you know how many rock stars refer to God and say, you know what? My life is in God's hands. And I think anybody's right on that fact as well. And I uh, commend him for that. All right. We talked about on Friday with Sheriff Richard Mack. We had a two-hour hard-hitting show. First hour had um, Ammon Bundy and Ken Cromar with us. Second hour had the good Sheriff Richard Mack with us. And Sheriff Mack openly invites sitting Sheriff Mike Smith to show transcript of a hearing for Ken Cromar and deliver a copy to Ken. Well, uh, Richard got a hold of the sheriff. Sheriff Mike Smith simply refuses to get involved. So there you have that. We did follow up on this, and no dice. He's not going to do it. He's not claiming there was or was not a hearing. He's just saying he believes that, you know, Ken Cromar has been given due process. Ken says he hasn't. The battle rages on. Ken says, you know what, show me the law. You guys are making accusations. Show me the law. And what does due process require? And I spent the rest of Saturday, the hour, talking about this. What does due process require? And it's very vague indeed. What is tax court? And how does it work? It's an absolute shame. 
tyrannical reality when we have a special tax court um, that's led by judges, not a jury of your peers. And it, most of the rules are off. You have to prove your innocence rather than, well, you know, they got to prove your guilt. See, it's kind of a different scenario there in tax court. How does evidence work in tax court? See, it's very interesting. What is the burden of proof on the taxpayer to, taxpayer to provide? All right. So the bottom line is I can say this when it comes to Ken Cromar and others who have been abused by the IRS. Uh, former um, Van Buren, President Van Buren, quote, I think echoes through time. Gentlemen, your cause is just, but I can do nothing for you. Seems to be reality. We discussed that on Saturday, hour one, hour two. We talked about September 11th, 2001. More evidence of a controlled demolition in Building 7. We broke that down in detail. All right. Proof government got evidence wrong about collapse of WTC, World Trade Center Building 7. New evidence, Ben Swan, Truth in Media. We played a lot of his Truth in Media um, video on this because it's so accurate, so detailed. Um, The bottom line is the government is lying, folks. And I know they're going to call me a conspiracy nut. They're going to call me a truther. They're going to mock me, mock me, mock me. But I say more and more evidence coming out. The University of Alaska did a three-year, $300,000 study. And they say there's no way that building came down the way the government said that it did. There's new investigations being opened into it now. They claim that, hey, the building had to have explosives planted in all columns to be literally um, destroyed at once for the building to come down. Well, that's what Stephen E. Jones said, physics professor out of Brigham Young University that lost his job over this discussion. Or they had a mutual relationship to, to end their relationship or mutual agreement to end their relationship. I don't know. All I'm telling you is 300 plus engineers and architects, uh, everybody's saying the same thing. that You know what? It just did not happen the way the government said that it did. So I'm not into conspiracies because I don't know what happened. But I know this. The confusion And the disparity between what we're told and what we're finding is reality is shocking. It's also interesting to note Ron Paul back in the day when he was a congressman about 9-11 said, hey, most of these uh, hijackers are from Saudi Arabia. Now it turns out they're documenting 14 out of the 19 certainly were. And so uh, very, very strange. There was never repercussions um, towards Saudi Arabia. The repercussions were all about Iraq, Osama bin Laden who we used to fund, you know, very strange stuff is all I can say. Our prayers are with the folks that lost their lives and their families and all the suffering that has taken place for 9-11. And we pray we can get to the reality on that, that we can know the truth and that we can create true accountability. Whether we'll get that or not, don't know. Time will tell, but we're sure going to pray for it. And we're sure going to do our best to work towards it. All right. That's a recap that took place uh, on Saturday's broadcast. LibertyRoundtable.com for live and on-demand radio at your fingertips. If you have the heart to help, every penny will help grow our presence in the media as the new media takes on the mainstream press like never before. The new media is taking center stage. All right, news the networks refuse to use starts now. Kirk Crosby's with me. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Buenos dias. Greetings and salutations. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Thank you, Sam. You're very welcome. In 1955, Kurt, DAR, do you know who they are? Daughters of the American Revolution? Yes, sir. Good work. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. In 1955, okay. Daughters of the American Revolution petitioned Congress to set aside September 17th to the 23rd annually to be dedicated for the observance 
of Constitution Week, Kurt. And that's about to start tomorrow. And uh, since, you know, we're all about the Constitution, it's interesting to me. The Fourth of July is celebrated, and, you know, justly so. Don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not downing that or anything. I'm just saying, um, you know, we celebrate that big time. But Constitution Week, Constitution is the supreme law of our land, folks. And it's interesting to me how nobody really knows even about Constitution Day, which is tomorrow, September 17th, not to mention Constitution Week. So I think that's worthy of effort. And I'm really commending the Daughters of the American Revolution for their willingness to uh, work so hard to get this done. It's only been since 1955 that they've made a week out of it, September 17th to September 23rd. And we'll be celebrating it this week. We'll be talking about it more and more and stuff like that. Uh, It's a day early, but I wanted to, you know, one of the things that is interesting, oftentimes I find out about a day or a week or some kind of a celebratory something month or something week or something day. I find out about it like after it's too late or after the fact or something. In this case, we want to give you a heads up so you have full awareness. Celebrate the supreme law of our land, the Constitution, and the suffering and the difficulties and the revolutionary reality that it took to make it happen. Uh, and good for the daughters of the American Revolution. They got celebrations all over the country, Kurt, for this as well. So I commend them, and I thank them, and I revere them, the daughters of the American Revolution, as well as the leaders of the American Revolution. It took some guts. It took some faith. It took some prayers. It took hard work. It took blood, sweat, and tears. It took giving up your fame, your fate, your fortune, uh, your sacred honor. It took everything uh, to get here. But what a blessing it is. And every day we have uh, that's a day of freedom uh, is really a, a thankful day for the hard work that they all put in and for the legacy they left and for the legacy that I believe we need to uphold. And that's why we spent so much time on it. Any comments on this curtain? Say that question again, one more time. Any comments? I heard the rest. The daughters of the American revolution. Well, yeah, I just, uh, I, you know, wouldn't it be nice, Sam, if that whole thing got promoted, like, um, I don't know, um, Black Lives Matter kind of thing or something else in the media. Or the latest rate uh, The movie Me Too or movement or whatever, you know. I mean, it's just uh, you'll be lucky to find one person out of 100 that even knows it's Constitution Day tomorrow or week or any of that stuff. You're right, and that's why I spend kind of so much time talking about it. I mean, one, it's a worthy conversation uh, about Constitution Day. What does that mean? What does that celebrate? How is that different than the 4th of July, et cetera? And the 4th of July literally is a, is a commemoration of the Declaration of Independence signage, right? Now, I know, don't, don't call me and email me. I know that the reality is it was signed on, September, or on July the 2nd, but it's the general time that we celebrate it, right? Well, you know what? The document that we live by, the supreme law of our land is the Constitution. So I revere the Declaration of Independence as well. But I, the Constitution, in my mind, should be a bigger deal than even the Declaration of Independence. What do you want to celebrate? The, the um, rejection of another country or the governing supreme law of our land? I think the Constitution is one of the greatest documents ever written by man, in my opinion. Anyway, there you go. Quick pause. Sam and Curtin seconds. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable live radio program. LibertyRoundtable.com. Did you know we're live six days a week? Yeah, how many talk shows do that? Two hours a day, six days a week, hard-hitting talk radio at your fingertips, live on your favorite AM, FM station, or online at libertyroundtable.com. Regrets? Oh, we're all going to have them. Doesn't matter who you are or what you do. At some point, you're going to wish you'd done something differently. You know, the woulda, coulda, shouldas. 
But let me tell you a couple of things you'll never regret. You'll never regret spending extra time talking to your teenager. Trust me. You'll never regret answering your three-year-old's question about where the water in the bathtub comes from. And I've never seen anyone wish they hadn't sat in the kitchen laughing with their children and telling them goofy stories about when they were kids. Yeah, sure, we're all going to have regrets, but talking too much with our kids won't be one of them. No matter what you talk about, love is what they'll hear. A thought from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visit us at mormon.org. conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens. Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? As a physician, I have looked into the eyes of one-pound babies. I have cradled their small bodies in the palm of one hand. I defy those who are careless, who would disregard life and look at these tiny little miracles and say, we're not going to protect that. But I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. All right, ladies and gentlemen, what do you call this show? This is the talk show with an attitude. Yeah. We have an attitude of revering the founding fathers, of literally uh, appreciating their leadership, their commitment, their sacrifice, and more. In 1955, the Daughters of the American Revolution petitioned Congress to set aside September 17th to be remembered annually. It's uh, September 17th through the 23rd to be remembered, to be dedicated for the observance of Constitution Week, September 17th, Constitution Day. And I was just saying right before the break, we need to remember that day. If you're going to remember a day, I mean, I support remembering the Declaration of Independence, and that's a big day for sure. But the day um, where we literally agreed to, these 13 colonies agreed to the supreme law of our land, and that that has lasted for what, well over a couple of hundred years? When how many years are we on now? 1787 is when it was signed, right? 87, 17, 200 years, 1987, 97, 107, 117, like 33, you know, 32 years, 232 years and going and continuing. Uh, and we have more freedom than anybody else in the world to this date. And we have not only more freedoms than most nations, but we have the um, framework even if we have problems in America, we can use the checks and balances and the framework to work ourselves towards making America great again, towards uh, the things that, that matter, the things that uphold the rule of law, the things that are of God, family, and country, etc. All right, anyway, enough of that, but we will commence to celebrate this all week long, okay? Don't forget it. All right, Carl Eichen in the news, Kurt. 
Yeah, are you familiar with this guy? No. I can't, I see, you know, I, I remember when I first heard the name, I thought, is he the guy that um, invented the little things on the computer screen? You know, the icons? It's icon, um, it's spelled I-C-A-H-N. Yeah, that's right. His name is C-A-H-N. But anyway, I just, you know, yeah. at first. I don't I, know if it's icon. I mean, back I then, I just didn't know. I, can, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, I mean, these are icons that are on your computer or whatever. But this is Charles Icahn, or Icon. Carl. And, um, I, I yeah, Carl. Um, but he's not, um, I don't think he's a con man as far as I know, Sam. He's just a uh, an investment big shot. And uh, based in New York City, and uh, you know he's decided to cruise, and he's heading south, um, not just for the winter. Uh, he's had a home down there in Florida for a while, I guess. Uh, but um, uh, you know he's wanting to go down there because number one, Florida doesn't even tax um, your. Uh, personal income tax you know there's no personal income tax and um, you know the uh, guys at cnbc.com have a piece on it says um, if you're going to move like Carl Carl Icahn to a low tax state it may backfire for you Uh, and you say well why and he says well they say states generally have two tests to assess residency to be considered a statutory resident and taxed as as a resident of that state, you have to uh, had to spend 183 days there during the year, and you must maintain a permanent place of abode there. Um, then they tell you there's a domicile test uh, that considers five key aspects that determine whether your true home, or in other words, the place you return to after you've been on the road, is in fact in that state. Question: Why These do they got to know that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because the New Yorkers especially are trying to get, you know, they want to keep your money, Sam. Uh, You know, uh, the guys who basically say they're all progressive and everything, but what they really are is just high-tax states. Um, I mean, it's sort of like, imagine if you grew up shopping at some fancy pants, um, you know, store that was not Walmart but just real you know high-end I guess department store and you decided hey man I'm gonna quit I'm gonna cut up my credit cards for that store and I'm just gonna go here because I found that I, I can pay half the price at Walmart or you know some other store like that uh, and that earlier store that had your you know business for all those years just said well you can cut up your thing but we're still going to charge you because um, you know i mean this is your home you know <laughs> uh but anyway that's that's what's going on with carl icon uh, he told his uh, staff and everybody that uh, as of um, 2020 um mark March 2020, they're going to shut their Manhattan office and open their uh, one in Miami in April of 2020. Uh, you know, if they really want to ba- play it smart, they'd go out in kind of the country in Florida instead of, you know, just a big city. But um, who knows, you know, they're probably not going to do that, I don't think, are they? I, You know, I don't really know. I just know that it's, it's shocking whenever we see these... Um, people just leaving and it just shows the freedom that america has still left kurt but it also shows the efforts certain municipalities are trying to push towards tyranny 
And when it's so expensive, the guy's just like, I'm out, man. I'm leaving. All right. He's heading to Florida for lower tax rates, says Bloomberg. Uh, you know what? Yeah, Rush did this. Like... Glenn Beck did this. I mean, the, the, the train of, of big people doing this is starting to grow, 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 grow. As there's more regulation and more tax. They're just sick of it, Kurt. When are these That's progressives right. going to learn? They, I mean, I guess they just don't get it, you know, somehow. They can't do basic math, but um, they have a, uh, a CNBC has a, a tax foundation, um, kind of a state tax burden, and they show uh, no income tax. You get a little zero there, and it shows uh, one state, Florida, Texas. I'm just going down through the list of states with no income tax. South Dakota, Wyoming, Nevada, um, and Washington and Alaska, Sam. So is that so seven, a, Kurt? You know, I, I was trying to count so, while you went. Seven so states much. with no state income tax. And amen to that, yeah. Kurt. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I mean, they provide competition. Um, and then when it shows the highest ones, Sam, um, you know, it's got New York at 2,249. Uh, you know, this is some base thing so you go from zero to 2249 then you got um looks like connecticut right up in there massachusetts you know these guys don't these seem are the California. highest taxing states is your point yeah, right yeah from an income right. tax point you know, of view yeah you got zero on the one end and then you got the you know big boys on the other end and they and they wonder why people leave sam um I mean, they don't really wonder why they know why they just out loud don't care. So they they act like they wonder why, but they know why, Kurt. I guess I hope, you know, they're smart enough. to. But they don't care. Why. Out, but there's yeah. like there's enough suckers here to keep, you know, perpetuating the con mm -hmm. game. Right. The sad part yeah. is many people just don't have the wherewithal like an, a car like to move, Kurt. And one of the yeah, good point. Like you got to have um, a job and things... you got to, you know, get started in the new location. It's expensive. And apparently, Sam, it costs you quite a bit to rent a U-Haul from those places where the everybody's leaving. Yeah, even a U-Haul's more expensive. They're like, hey, we know that everybody wants to get out of here, and we know that it'll be a cash cow if we... And so, hey, there you go, supply and demand, right? Well, here. apparently you can go, say... And it's going to cost you like two grand to leave a high tax state with a U-Haul, and if you're going from a low tax state back to the high tax state where they need the vehicles or they need the trailers, it costs you like say five hundred bucks. You know? Yeah, if we uh, can just roll a trailer in so we can <laughs> charge somebody else a bundle to get out of there, then we're in. That's right. And now the other interesting thing is, Kurt, there's a lot of states that don't have an income tax. Seven of them, and I commend those states, mm -hmm. by the way. Yeah. I wish Utah, where I lived, was one of them. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's also the other side of the coin, which is a property tax. And there's several states that don't have Good a property point. tax either. Now, sadly, the state that I live in has both. They're not as high mm -hmm. as many states, but there are both. And some would say, yeah. well, Sam, you can't get rid of all these taxes because you got to, you know, fund government in some way. Oh, they got plenty of ways that are, in my opinion, a whole lot more constitutional uh, to fund mm -hmm. government than a property or an income tax, okay? Good point. Um, those are both, in my opinion, planks of the Communist Manifesto, so be, beware. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I'm looking for the first state that gets rid of a property and an income tax, but as far as I can tell, it doesn't exist yet, Kurt. <clears throat> Hopefully right. one state will get point. bold and, and, and get her done. Um, so there's seven states that don't have an income tax. How about property tax? Do you know? I don't know about that. We've got to look that up real quick over the break yeah. and see if we can figure out what, you know, what list of states don't have a property tax. 
And people flock to those mm-hmm. states. And I know this, if people live in western Idaho, Kurt, oftentimes, they'll go into Washington or Oregon to do things. Like, I don't think Oregon, one of them doesn't have a sales tax or whatever. And so, you know, which states don't have a sales tax? Which states don't have a property tax? Um, these are important because it, it changes the behavior of people, Kurt. Anyway, let's talk about it. Hopefully, Kurt can use Google and find that out. Hopefully, Google hasn't blocked that yet. And we'll see if we can't find out. Seven states without an income tax and good on them. Carl Icahn bail in New York because it's just too crazy expensive over there because of the belligerent, out-of-control regulation and taxation. And uh, seven states without an income tax. How many without a sales tax? How many without a property tax? This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. General Motors and the United Auto Workers Union negotiators are to resume talk shortly, but for now, nearly 50,000 GM workers are on strike. The first strike at GM in 12 years. At one demonstration in Detroit, President of UAW Local 22, Wiley Turnage, says... It's great to have support, you know, because we serve the community. You know, we have a lot of restaurants, we have gas stations, you know, so we need to keep this plant viable as possible. And then we have a lot of young families working here, a lot of temporary workers, you know, that have no stability in their life. So we're just trying to secure everyone's future. In President Trump's words on Twitter, the U.S. is locked and loaded, ready to respond to the weekend drone attacks on a giant Saudi oil refinery. The U.S. blames Iran for the attacks. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. President Trump wants the Justice Department to, as he puts it, rescue Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh after a new accusation of sexual misconduct emerged. On Twitter, the president suggests Kavanaugh sue for libel. A report published to the New York Times claims one of Kavanaugh's Yale classmates saw him expose himself at a dorm party back in the 1980s. Democrat running for the White House, Senator Amy Klobuchar, among those calling for Kavanaugh. Impeachment. My concern here is that the process was a sham. Um, I don't think you can uh, look at impeachment hearings without getting the documents. The House would have to get the documents, and the Attorney General is shielding documents. The Tennessee Titans say a mechanical failure by pyrotechnic devices caused a fire at Nissan Stadium before yesterday's game against the Colts. It happened on the sidelines. A stadium worker put out the fire, and no one was hurt. And this is USA Radio News. 
I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, Liberty Roundtable Live continues right along. Hard-hitting talk. Carl Eichen leaving New York says it's just too flat-out expensive. Too much taxation. I would submit to a great degree too much taxation without representation. By the way, did you know it's Constitution Week? Yeah, indeed. September 17th through the 23rd. All right, it's almost Constitution Week. Constitution Week. It starts tomorrow, right? Anyway, uh, Carl... I can head into Florida, according to Bloomberg. Try to get lower taxes. I think that's good news. All right, Kurt, any luck finding out which states don't have a property tax? Well, um, you know, when you put in uh, states with no property tax and uh, Google, you get, um, well, according to Yahoo.com, it says um, these are the states with the lowest property taxes. So as far as I can tell, that means... There's still a property tax. In I think there's some there. states that don't have a property tax, though. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, they list uh, these states have the lowest property taxes, and uh, you've got, um, you know, thinking about moving. It says these states have the lowest property taxes. According to Yahoo Finance, uh, best states for property taxes are, number one, Alabama, two, Louisiana, three, Hawaii. Hmm. That surprises me. Say these again, start For Alabama, Louisiana, Hawaii, uh, West Virginia, South Carolina, Arkansas, and Delaware. Wow. So um, I was surprised, at least out of that list, to find Hawaii there and Delaware as well. Um, you know, the others don't surprise me. Uh, they say uh, Delaware, you know, they give you the number there. Uh, but I'm trying to look and see if I can find the highest ones. Um, but um, let's say, yeah, they've got a list here. The uh, worst would be, they include Washington District of Criminals, you know, so you got 51 total here. They say the worst is New Jersey, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Illinois, New York, Wisconsin, Vermont, Rhode Island, Oh, Texas is in the at number forty three, but uh, like I say, at least they don't have a income tax, you know. Um, anyway, and then on the other end, after number seven, you got uh, number eight on the lower end: uh, Wyoming, Mississippi, Colorado, Tennessee, New Mexico, Utah, comes in at number thirteen on that other end. On the low, yeah, I'm low searching, and everything that I'm finding is uh, like you're saying. I swear, I thought there were some states that don't have uh, property taxes. Maybe every state has a property tax, which is a, a big shame. Uh, which states have no sales tax? Right. Um, maybe it's sales tax I'm thinking of. There's just so many taxes, it's hard to keep this all straight, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? I'm telling you right now. There's five states that don't have a sales tax, from what I understand. Okay, I see. Alaska. Alaska. Delaware. Montana. New Hampshire. Oregon. So, maybe that's what I was thinking of, Kurt. No sales tax. Anyway, it's just a complicated thing but i mm-hmm. uh bring it up because i would like to highlight 
you know, I understand the paying for the proper role of government. And if you believe in Constitution Week and you believe in the supreme law of the land, you realize there is a legitimate need to fund the proper role of government. So to those of you who say that I'm anti-government, get a load of this. I say there's necessary funding for the proper role of constitutional government on the federal level and on the state level. Now, I believe government's way, 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 way too bloated because of too much regulation and too many unconstitutional government programs and everything else. There's no doubt about it. Uh, But I would say that there is legitimacy in how is best to uh, get the money necessary to pay for the proper role of limited constitutional government. And there's taxes that I like better than others by far. So, for example, I'm fine with an apportionment tax. If you say, listen. In the United States, there's 330 million Americans. In Utah, there's 3 million Americans. So, therefore, American, Americans who live in Utah have, you know what, three millionth part of the 330 million people in the nation. Therefore, hey, they should be taxed their fair share of whatever the nation costs on a federal level. Now, reducing that's paramount, no doubt. But, again, the state could send that apportionment to the feds upon good behavior, right? Secondarily, the state could, on apportionment tax, just say we're not going to violate your property rights. We're not going to violate your income rights. We're not going to um, – we're going to just say, look, if there's 3 million people in Utah and the budget's this much, then here's your one three millionth portion, right? Very easy to do. Or you could say we're not going to do it by that. We're going to – we don't care about the youngsters. They don't pay taxes anyway, so you're not one three millionth. We're going to go back and say, hey, how many working adults or how many adults – are there if you're over 18 then how many of those and then that will be the number there's different ways that you can derive the number but in every way the the point would be a whole lot less involvement in my personal life so you don't need some social security number you don't need my birth date you don't need my address and my residence you don't you don't need all this tracking on me and on my finances and on my income and you know ding me if i do better or become more wealthy you just simply say this is your portion and you got to pay and then it becomes non-invasive. It doesn't violate the Fourth and Fifth Amendments, etc. cetera. Uh, it doesn't violate your right to privacy. It doesn't, you know, get into your personal life. It just simply pays for the appropriate uh, role of government. Now, I'm okay with a sales tax. And uh, I am not okay with a property or an income tax. Why? Because what if I can't, what if I pay my property off and then I somehow fall on hard times and I'm really, really, really broke? I should not have to pay the government every single year to live in the home that I've completely paid off. It should be my property now, not my property with government stipulations that if I don't pay the piper, then eminent domain happens and they can just steal it from me or whatever you want to call it. The government shouldn't have dibs on my property. And and that's why I have a problem with the income tax. I don't like the paralyzing of the income side of the equation. If I'm not doing very well, but I have an income, let me save. Let me internally prosper. But if I have outlay for services, usage tax or services, then fine. But at a sales tax, there's no tracking of me or my private property or choking my income side of the equation or choking my ability to live. Should I not have very much to speak of? Uh, And so I don't like property taxes and I don't like income taxes because I believe they're part of the Communist Manifesto. Uh, I do not mind a sales tax, and I do not mind an apportionment tax because I believe they're constitutional. But I believe, again, uh, there's easy ways for the government to get their money and not pray into our private lives. The problem with that is governments lose their control mechanism and their fear factor over us. Uh, nevertheless, I would like to look for uh, – I don't celebrate states with no, in, uh, no sales tax, Kurt. I mean, I know it saves you money. 
But again, why don't they get rid of the property tax and uh, have a sales tax? Why don't they get rid of the income tax? I believe you can get rid of the income tax and the property tax very easily uh, and have a sales tax. You would say, Sam, the sales tax might be 10, 12% that way. Don't care. At least you're not prying into my private life. And at least if I fall on hard times and struggle to bring in money and or struggle to hold on to my property, I'm not going to lose either. And if I'm doing well and I decide to spend and participate in society, you're going to get every piece of that. Uh, I like the apportionment tax the best. Because there's just no prying into my private life. There's no protecting the poor at the expense of the rich. There's no games that can be played with that kind of stuff. So anyway, that's that's my take. Kurt, do you want to weigh in on this? What's your what's your take? I I bring it up because I think it relates to Carl leaving Flor- um, New York and heading to Florida's point. Uh, again, I want taxes that don't invade my life, that don't choke my ability to progress and prosper. Uh, but I do understand the need to pay for the proper role of constitutional government, and there's ways to do that, ladies and gentlemen. That's my point. There's ways to avoid the Communist Manifesto. And the property or the income tax. I don't know which is worse, a property tax or an income tax. They're both very egregious. Uh, What do you say, Kurt? Any comment on this one? Well, you know, at least I think you've already covered most of it. But the only thing I'd probably add is, um, you know, just a simple idea that says, hey, when you have some money, you know, is the best time to pay for things. And typically when you're buying something, you know, in other words, you're making a purchase, you're you know, that's when, if you have to pay a tax, you know, is the ideal time, sales tax. You know, you, you mentioned about, you know, what happens if you fell on hard times and you don't have money to pay your property tax. Then there goes your house or whatever. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you can literally cut back if, if you've got tougher times, but then on the other t- side it almost encourages states and and uh, i mean even if you had this on a national basis it encouraged the federal government to have a more of a you know robust economy if they were charging us just via sales tax uh, because then when people are buying things you know they're doing business they're making a living you know that's when the government's bringing the more money. So, you know, it seems to me like it'd be a smart way to move. Yeah, I set the stage for Kurt to talk about his transaction tax, and we're up against a break, so when we come back, we'll have Kurt talk about that. But what I like even more about the transaction tax than the sales taxes, you know, you don't want a tax to be a big burden uh, at any time. And if you move it to a transaction tax, it becomes a tiny piece of what you're doing as opposed to a large piece of part of what you're doing. Um, The goal is to make the taxes that are necessary um, not hard to bear, not hard to handle. Let's talk about it because I think the transaction tax is one great option that fits that bill. Hold on, folks. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. 
With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Liberty is not free. Its costs are innumerable. Without monetary funding, the valiant efforts of freedom-loving Americans become diminished or outright defeated. We present a solution, the Give Me Liberty Fund. The plan is quite simple. Invite individual Americans to contribute less than a dollar a day. These monetary funds are used to promote liberty-minded media, organizations, events, candidates, movements, and speakers. In the spirit of transparency, all expenditures are published. Patriotic business owners provide discounted products and services to Give Me Liberty Fund members. Our greatest strength is in numbers. Go to GiveMeLibertyFund.com and become part of the solution today. GiveMeLibertyFund.com Participate in the peaceful restoration of the greatest and freest country in the world. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So I've been talking about a sales tax, an apportionment tax. Those are great options that are certainly less invasive. But there's another idea that's very similar, but a lot broader in some ways, but lower in many ways. Interesting opportunity. Charles Collins talked about it back in the day, Kurt. Well, that's right. And uh, if you don't know who Charles Collins is, ladies and gentlemen, he's a Republican who ran for president back in the, um, I think it was 96, if I remember right. Uh, he was a Rhodes Scholar candidate and never accepted it. But, you know, in other words, he's a pretty smart guy from Georgia. We called him the gentleman from Georgia. Uh, he also, uh, you know, during the uh, Republican campaigns, uh, somehow when he'd bring up the idea of eliminating the Federal Reserve and the income tax and stuff like that, doggone if the mic didn't just go out, you know, uh, they just had troubles, um, you know, getting that word out, if you will. But, you know, he and the uh, economists that he worked with uh, suggested that, hey, we could eliminate all taxes, and I underline that phrase, all taxes, uh, and includes fees, uh, and replace them with a simple uh, transaction tax that would include things like um, this is what Charles Icahn or Carl Icahn wouldn't really like, but would include things like hedge funds and stocks and well everything that was a financial transaction, and uh, you know there would be a small amount at that time uh, they estimated it would be like one percent on the first year, and that would pay off the national debt, and then after that you know you could drop it to something like a quarter of a percent on each transaction. Uh, to me, man, that that makes America great in so many ways, Sam, if you ask me. But, uh, you know, I don't hear much talk about that. Do you? No, I don't. And that's why I bring it up and why I think it's really something that we need to seed the discussion with. Okay. Income tax, property tax, sales tax, which is the best way 
to pay for the proper role of government? Question mark, right? Um, yeah, Simon and I agree that a apportionment tax, a sales tax, or a transaction tax would be a much better solution. Right. Right. And and I see when I put in a financial uh, or transaction tax, I see Bloomberg has an opinion piece on it. it was back in June. Michael Edisis, I guess, is the author. It says the case for a financial transaction tax. Uh, the only problem is whenever these guys start talking about it or whatever, bring it up, they forget that little idea of replacing all the other taxes. Well, in of course. Words, because they know, love they to just, just add new taxes. And that really right. is what's causing the problem in America that I see, Kurt. Mm-hmm. The income tax alone has That's how right. many pages, how much confusion, how much, you know, I mean, nobody, nobody, Kurt, that files their income tax feels comfortable when they get done signing on the dotted line saying, you know what? I swear that this is accurate to the best of my ability under the penalty of perjury. No one feels comfortable with that, Kurt. I don't. I do my best to be honest and to file properly, but I'm still not comfortable. They're not going to slaughter me after the fact. Even when I try to comply, even when I pay my fair share, even when I do everything that I possibly can, I still don't feel comfortable. I feel like they're going to eat me for lunch every chance they get. Well, you know why you don't feel comfortable about it? Because when the people are afraid of the government, there's tyranny. When the the government's afraid of the people, there's liberty. I don't know, but I just know this. Even if I try to do my very best, I don't feel comfortable. Well, and and we've seen article after article uh, where people, for example, big money people will submit, say, f- to 50 different uh, accounting firms, the exact same details on an individual, and they'll get different numbers, 50 different numbers, Sam. Uh, so it basically uh, it proves that there's no real... <laughs> right way to do that which means that basically if the government wants to and your pals at the IRS want to they can well teach you a lesson like they've taught so many and uh, you know the other thing to throw in here in the uh, I guess you could say reason to move to a transaction tax kind of thing is you know when you really want to free the american economy the american people you want to free the president from getting hassled about his tax forms you want to pre- free the you know our friends like the cromars and so many others you me and and so many of us free free us from the slavery of this um system that we've been subject to for over a hundred years, Sam. Well, and that's why I take the chance to bring this up and to put your ideas on the table, Kurt, my ideas. Okay, income tax and property taxes are part of the communist manifesto, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, and that's the problem that I have with them, Kurt, is that, you know, I'm not trying to get out of government taxing us something okay i'm not trying to get out of my just responsibility what they love to do is throw this fear in your face that you just don't want to pay your fair share that's your problem sam you just don't want to pay your fair share but i say that's not true in fact that's why i'm spending so much time saying look i'm not anti-government and i agree that there needs to be a way to pay for the proper role of limited constitutional government. There's a way to hold government accountable, to give government the funding that it needs to carry out its appropriate, delegated by the consent of the governed authorities. I have no problem with paying that 
part, Kurt. But when it becomes invasive to my personal family from a violation of the Fourth and Fifth Amendments, you know, violation of property rights, violation of um, privacy rights, when it does things that interrupt my ability to, to progress, to prosper, to dream the American dream, then I got a problem with it. And, and the reason I do is because there's ways to pay for the legitimate proper role of government that don't inter, or inject that fear portion that don't inject that violation of my privacy portion, that don't inject that portion where um, I can't prosper, that, that's, that's controlled in a way that really prevents me from progressing or doing better. Okay, that's my problem with those taxes. Okay, that's why I like an apportionment tax or a sales tax or a transaction tax, because they don't do those things. Now, remember, again, and I want to point this out, income and property taxes, Kurt, are part of the Communist Manifesto. Okay, that's why I'm so against them. But don't you for a second think that I'm anti-government because that's a flat-out lie. And I hope we've spent enough time this hour to say not only do we reject, do we reject the current taxes, uh, but we explain why we do. And then rather than just you know being so anti-everything, we're pro the proper role of government. We're pro government getting its needful funding in some ways. The third way they can get money, Kurt, in addition to, um, well, I shouldn't say third way. A second way, in addition to sales, transaction, um, or apportionment taxes, there's also tariffs. And there could be a sharing program where states get a piece of that tariff pie as well. Hey, whatever exports, I'm sorry, whatever uh, imports the nation does, let's say that the government gets a certain amount for tariffs. You know what? The federal government could share with the states some of that revenue. Because where do imports go, Kurt? To the several states. Uh, and you can either do it by generally saying, what are the imports? Let's divide it by, again, the apportionment of the people. Uh, Utah would get three millionths of 200 or 330 millionths, so to speak. Or you could do it a different way. You could simply say, look, we're going to do it different. Um, we're going to say, what percent is Utah of the United States? And do it percent-wise. Or you could also then say, you know what? What is the destination of an import? Total up the destinations to every import that come in. In other words, what dollars import to Utah for its landing points, if you will. Uh, and then you could do it that way. I mean, there's several ways you could apportion the money. But you could get some money from tariffs, too, um, and share with the states, Kurt. All right? What do you think of that? Well, to me, the tariffs are a massive win-win uh, thing. And uh, the the world globalists, the world free trader kind of crowd, uh, they don't want to, you know, uh, promote that idea. But you got to just look at the history thing that, that President Trump has learned about. And the rest of us have, you know, been able to learn a little bit about it, even in spite of the normal standard media. And, and look at it. Uh, you look at when we started 1787 uh, for more than 100 years as I understand it we had no debt federal government wise and uh, yet when we eliminated basically the tariffs and uh, embraced these other systems man the debt went just out of control yes and that's my kind of my problem with it Kurt is that the system that we have put in place not only puts the people in fear of their government not only makes people wonder if they're complying not only chokes the income the prospering side of the equation but oftentimes it lets government have so much money 
so much money, Kurt, that there's just no accountability at all. Okay? I mean, who's going to question it, right? Right? That's kind of the problem that I have is um, I don't see anything reducing the size and scope of government. In other words, what pressure is put on government to reduce expenses, to live within a budget, to, and I don't see anything in place that really slows that down, Kurt, right? And that's kind of why I want the states to be involved, right? And so Sam and Kurt agree that an apportionment tax, tariff tax, sales tax, or transaction tax would be a much better solution. And I'll tell you what I like the most, Kurt. I'm going to change the order of this a little bit here. And I'm going to put tariff tax, apportionment tax, and I'm going to put sales tax last, okay? Because I want to put them in order of which I would prefer them. Uh, and I don't know if you agree with this uh, order that I've got it in, but I would say this. I say a tariff tax, apportionment tax, then a transaction tax, then a sales tax would be the order that I would like to see it in. What do you say to that, Kurt? And the reason I say that is because I want the tax not on the American people at all if I can help it. That's why I go with a tariff tax first. An apportionment tax has the least abuse at all. You don't even need to know anybody's names, just what percent in the apportionment they represent, right? Yeah, and the whole idea of making America great again, you know, is look back at history and see what worked. Amen. And then I like the um, transaction tax a little better than the sales tax. And again, the reason I say that is because a teeny piece of every transaction, you don't even hardly notice, Kurt. It wouldn't really be such a big number that you'd be like, oh, geez. And so I like the, the broader the tax is, the less it can be per transaction. So that's why I like it even better than a sales tax. If you're not careful, you say with the sales tax, well, let's not tax this and let's tax that and let's tax this real hard. And pretty soon you get into the rich and poor game. If you just have a uniform, and that's the word, transaction tax. I'm going to add that to it, by the way, because that, then you say we're not going to reward or play games with things. We're just going to make it as insignificant, small, in other words, and as least intrusive as possible. So there's the order. To those of you who think we're anti-government, you lie. To those of you who realize that Liberty Roundtable is one of the greatest think tanks on the planet, you're on to something. Spread the word, would you please? Donate your money to help us grow our presence in the media and tell the, table, tell the tale of liberty. We don't think we're more important than anybody else, but we do think we should have a seat at the table for discussions. Think how brilliant these think tanks are from Liberty Roundtable. It's not just Sam and Curtis, everybody that comes to the roundtable. We declare this nation shall endure.